We can be found on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Like, share, subscribe, and leave us a comment down below. Now, on with the show. Okay. We'll do it live. Okay. Fucking thing. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Right. Fuck it. Death Holler is a horror cast created by two true horror fans to bring to the table your favorite horror films. Topics include, but are not limited to, historical horror, gore, the occult, and terror. Listener discretion is advised. All right. So it's been a while since we last talked. Um, Urena, what, what have you been up to? Uh, what have you been, uh, I don't know, just anything horror-related besides the movies we've been watching for the, you know, the podcast? Uh, <laughs> I've actually been watching, and I don't have names, so this is terrible, but my husband has been watching some random B-movies horror films at least i think they're b movie they might they might even be independent <laughs> and they look japanese horror related but they're not good at all like japanese horror is actually pretty good um and these are terrible in fact almost uh almost uh, semi pornographic in nature more with sounds than actual visual porn than anything okay. um and that's pretty annoying to me not because it's porn it's just the sound is gross to me <laughs> <laughs> and just whatever like scary things the kids are watching here and there which they're watching more uh also animated and anime so actually a hell of a lot better but i'm not because i'm so busy i'm in the background i'm not paying attention to what i'm watching i'm watching it and i'm enjoying it but i don't have names i don't have descriptions i ain't got nothing for you i'm terrible <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I was just looking over a list of things that I've seen. I think I've got a couple that I haven't mentioned yet. Um, I did watch a, a more of an independent film called VFW, which is uh, kind of a throwback revenge film. I mean, it's a new film, but it's like a throwback. It looks like something that was filmed in like the '80s or something like that. It's got that film grain, kind of like House of the, you know, the Devil, yeah. like you know, they add it's that sort of uh, environment, and it's it's like. Basically, those 80s movies that presented like those just horrible like hillscapes, you know, like uh, Escape from New York, uh, RoboCop, you know, just how America's like gone downhill and like nothing but just a, you know, a crime ridden, you know, mess. It's one of those type movies where it's like, you know, basically the future of, of those type movies where like some kind of. So, uh, like Sudafed like you know meth drug or something's came out everybody's on it they're all like walking you know zombies ready to attack anybody just to get them and and it's all about these like you know these old veterans that you know and they're and they're all classic B horror movie you know actors or or actually in the case of, of one of the the actors he he's one the Cobra Kai villain um I'm name's escaping me at the moment but like anyways they're all a bunch of veterans that hole up in the VFW and have to fight these bastards off they're trying to attack them you know they're all drugged up and crazy so it's one of those type films kind of a you know it's kind of a cool little film uh the other one i watched is i've actually heard good things about that one shockingly it's it's actually pretty good like it was one of those things i was told you kind of you have to check out it i mean it let's see um i'm trying to think of who's in it here uh i think uh, let's see yeah william sadler who played uh death in um the uh, Bill and Ted movies, and of course he was—he's been in a ton of things otherwise. But you know, uh, I think he was in one of the—I think Tales from the Crypt, Demon Night. I mean, he's been in a bunch of genre films. But uh, he was—he's in it. Stephen Lang, who plays like the 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 old uh, 
buffed up guy in that, that movie, Don't Breathe, you know, about the blind guy who's going around killing the people who broke into his house. That's like a recent movie. He's yeah. he's in it. Uh, Martin Cove's what I'm thinking of, the bad guy from Cobra Kai, you know, and, and from the Karate Kid movies. He's he's a, actually a good guy in this movie, so it's kind of him playing off brand. Uh, and then Fred Williamson, who I mainly remember from the from Dusk Till Dawn, like there's he's the he's he's the black guy in the movie that's got the cigar chomping like trucker or whatever that like whenever I mean he's helping him fight the vampires at one point and then like when he gets bed it's like all hell breaks loose because he's just such a big badass that he just you know destroys everything. But they're the main actors, and it even has George Wynn in it from Cheers. I mean he I don't know why, but oh he God. decided to show up for a few minutes and. It's it's just a neat little you know uh, throwback genre film. I, th- I thought it was pretty cool. What I didn't th- what yeah. I didn't think was as cool though was I watched the new um, uh, movie Freaky. It's like a take on Freaky Friday from Blumhouse, and it's only I have to say it's only like a half movie to me because it's got a good concept. Basically, the gist of it is Vince Vaughn of all people is like this uh, Jason-like serial killer that goes around this... Oh, my God. He goes around this town killing people. And when he's the serial killer, I mean, he's just this big hulking dude. Like, there's nothing funny from Vince Vaughn at that point. But then, like, it pulls a Freaky Friday where there's, like, this mine knife, I believe, or something that he uses on uh, uh, the main uh, protagonist, who actually is the girl who plays uh, Castiel's daughter in Supernatural. That's who the actress is in this. And so they switch bodies, and she becomes the hulking, in quotation marks, uh, you know, serial killer, being this, you know, small teenage girl. And then, of course, Vince Vaughn becomes the teenage girl in this big man's body, and that's where all the humor from the movie comes from. And those scenes with Vince Vaughn are great. But that yeah. actress, uh, who who played, I believe, Claire in Supernatural, she is so awful in this. Like, she just, uh, Catherine Newton's her name, just awful. I never really liked her in general. I didn't think she was anything amazing. I mean, and then you wonder why. (laughs) What was it? The um, what was the spinoff of uh, Supernatural that was supposed to? Uh, Wayward Wayward uh, sisters, daughters or sisters? Yeah, yeah, Wayward sisters. And then you kind of wonder why that never really took off. Well, I mean, she's okay when she's playing the the teenage protagonist in the, but when she has to become Vince Vaughn's serial killer, like later in the movie which she spends the bulk of the movie doing, like, she just, I mean, all she does is just kind of, like, I, you know, give, like, evil eyeballs to people. There's really no emoting or, you know, like, if you're going to play a part where you don't speak really other than kind of grunts, you've got to have more going on, like, in the physicality of it or, or something, or at least in the face aspect of it. And she just goes around just like, and, like, like, you know, kills people whenever, you know, nobody's looking. And I don't know, that part of it's really bad. At least when Vince Vaughn's the bad guy... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Was this the movie? There was something going on where she was promoting this, and I don't remember if it was on the CW or where I saw it. What was it called again? Uh, freaky. Just, you know, as in Freaky Friday, but they just shortened it to Freaky. Okay, I think that was it. I don't know if you remember that, if you saw any of those ads. I didn't see it. I mean, and and what got me to watch it was the fact that it's made by the same director and of course, it was through Blumhouse as well that made the Happy Death Day movies, and I love those movies. There's, there's just two of them now, 
they've kind of talked about the possibility of a third, you know, a third in the trilogy. And I absolutely love those. I mean, for horror comedies, they're actually just, to me, comedies. There's really not much horror to them. But the concepts and the, the, the main protagonist, like the actress in those movies, she's great. The movies, I mean, I love the, there was kind of a sci-fi element to them. But Freaky just, I think it's because Catherine Newton just couldn't carry the movie. Like, she just really could not. I, I think mean, they put her up against a pretty big actor. I mean, come on now, you know? I know he wasn't doing a lot, but he yeah. has everything down. He's got the facial features. He's got the, he knows how to emote, like you were saying, in any different when, aspect. He's got that training. When he plays the bad guy, of course, he's got the emote, you know, he's got the, you know, the physicality because he's a big dude. But yeah. whenever he plays the te- the teenage girl, it's Vince Vaughn. He's hilarious. I mean, he works it. <laughs> I mean, it's just so good. And, I mean, they picked perfect for the bad guy. They just, I mean, the protagonist was the problem the whole entire movie. So, yeah. I mean, that's kind of the unfortunate part about that. Wah, um, wah. <laughs> those were the only things I've done that I, that I know of horror-related. Um, the, the one thing that I want to bring up, though, it's kind of interesting, is there's a new special on HBO Max. Uh, it's like a mini-series. They've done like maybe three or four episodes long. Uh, I think it's called Pharaoh versus Alan, and it's about Mia Pharaoh and like her battles that she had with uh, uh, Woody Allen whenever he was, you know, uh, and all that stuff that happened. I mean, there, there's a whole history between them, but they were married. They adopted some kids. Of course, he ended up with Soon Yi, who was a teenage girl, and that was creepy by itself, but it turns out. Which was out their adopted that, daughter. Adopted daughter, but. She brought a daughter into the relationship before that, and he and and she was a little bitty girl. And there's and according to the what unfolds in the miniseries, he had sexual things that went on with the little bitty girl. Like the, I mean, she was young, like maybe seven or eight. That is uh, I terrible. Her, I think her name's Dylan, uh, and she's on there. And I mean, what's even worse is that it's like life imitated art yet again. Uh, you know how in Rosemary's Baby, like at the end of the movie, where I was complaining about how everybody in society was turning against Rosemary and didn't believe her. I mean, you know, had the doctors, you know, and everything that uh, believed that okay, it's it's all in your head. You know, your husband knows better and all that. Well, when at the like the I just recently finished up like the third one where she tried to take him to trial over it. Like nobody in the town would listen to her. They're like, you know, it was basically like that good old boys club. Like you know, Woody. It was it was in New York where they tried him at. Woody Allen, uh, you know, brought so much money into the city because he would film there and he kept all of his business there. So, no, it was just basically like, you know, uh, they shut me out. I mean, like, she had no, like, it was like, nope, he's innocent. Get out of here. Shut up with these allegations. Oh, my God. That's fucking, that's a nightmare. Yeah. That's a literal nightmare. And she brings it up. She's like, it was Woody's town. She's like, I had no, you know, and... And it's it's awful on there too because they've got recorded phone calls between the two of them and she's clearly like distraught. She's like and and even though this is terrible stuff, she's being more reasonable than I can think of anybody in my life. Like she's sitting there like Woody, we have to talk about this, please. Like she's not like you know one of those like I'm gonna kill you for what you did. In my she's like being way too reasonable almost like rosemary just like too accommodating to him and he's just like you know he's just kind of mumbling off it's like i didn't do anything you know that sort and it's just like i mean of course it's if you want to go the route of saying it's biased in her favor maybe but i mean we already know that he met that he got hooked up with Sun Yi. so yeah so it's like it looks pretty bad 
I'm inclined to believe the bias. I mean, it he's he's already proven himself to kind of be a pedo outside of everything else. Well, imagine and, that phone call that took place. You have to think he probably she one she probably had to remain calm to get him to say anything at all if he was going to say anything because being crazy and psycho, he's just going to hang up on her. And two, true. he probably was under the assumption that she was tapping him, you know? Man, yeah, that's that's another factor. Um, and they even mentioned it in there. I mean, it's, it's, you know, going the other way about life and art and everything else in his movies, he has a steady, steady decline where he just casts younger and younger lead, you know, protagonist or, you know, like uh, female leads to go against him. I mean, he's always the main character in most of his movies, yet he's casting younger and younger female leads to be his love interest in the movies, even so far as to going almost under 18 for like the last one he did. So, it's kind of like he's showing, you know, <laughs> his predilections, you know, in the in the in the movie side of it too. It's kind of a, I mean, the whole thing's just. It's, I mean, if you're, I mean, it's horror related in the sense that it's, I mean, it's real life horror. I mean, it's awful oh, yeah. stuff. That's terrible. That's and gross. <laughs> well, I think it's, thankfully somebody's knocking on the door, so uh, uh, cue the music. <laughs> I'll cue the music. Hello and welcome back to Death Holler. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. Death, and joining me as always is my co-host and unexpected nanny sent by the agency, La Urena. <laughs> How are you doing, Urena? About to beat these kids is what I'm about to do. <laughs> well, hellions yeah, is what know. they are. Our, yeah, our, our previous nanny died and uh, we weren't expecting you to show up, so I, Mysteriously I guess as died. long as you... Yeah, as long as you're okay, as long as the agency, whoever they are, said you were okay, then I guess it's fine. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, it's it's all good. It's all good. You don't even have to do any background checks. Just, you know, I'm fine. Here's my references. Yeah, yeah. yeah just don't uh, bring a Rottweiler into the house. That's all I, that I'm asking. And if you oh do, I mean... They're adorable. You know. <laughs> um, today, we're going to tackle the age-old debate, nature versus nurture. Can someone be born a bad seed? Is mm-hmm. someone's parentage a greater indicator of how they will turn out than how they are raised? And what if that person in question is literally the spawn of Satan himself? So sit back, strap in, and join us for Death Holler Episode 5, The Omen.
So, uh, first up in the episode, uh, we bring up uh, Attack of the Bees, because I feel like this is a good parallel to the movie that we're, you know, uh, going over tonight. And this movie is a 2017 Netflix uh, special called uh, Little Evil. It is a horror comedy. It stars Adam Scott, we've already covered, Great and Krampus, and some other films, uh, particularly Parks and Recreation. Uh, Evangeline Lilly, uh, who plays Samantha and the mother. Uh, of course, Adam Scott plays the stepdad, Gary. And Evangeline Lilly, of course, is known as being Kate from Lost. That's her primary thing that she's known for. But now a lot of people also know her from Ant-Man and Wasp because she plays in Wasp. And uh, she was also in the second and third Hobbit films. We have uh, Owen Atlas, who plays Little Lucas, who's the Antichrist in this one. Uh, and then we have... Uh, Bridget Everett, uh, who plays Al, uh, it's Gary's co-worker and friend. Um, she uh, she plays a very interesting part. Uh, she's kind of uh, kind of like the bro dude lesbian character in the movie, and there's a lot of humor that comes from her character in particular. Uh, honorable mentions as far as the actors of this movie is Donald Faison from Scrubs fame, uh, Clancy Brown, who's been in everything. I mean, hell, he was even in SpongeBob SquarePants as. Uh, 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 was it Mr. Krabby or whatever his name is? Um, we have uh, Tyler Labine in this movie. It plays a little bit part. I don't know if you remember the movie Tucker and Dale, but I mean, he was one of the main characters in that film. Okay. <laughs> um, have you seen that movie, by the way? Tucker and Dale versus Evil? Yes. Okay. I think I have. And I say think because I cannot. Put it like I swear I've seen it, but I cannot re- imagine it in my head right now. It's just one. It's one of those uh, great horror comedy uh, plays on like slasher films where the college kids come to town, and then Tucker and Dale are just these couple of hillbilly characters, um, which are near and dear in my heart, uh, that are just <laughs> doing their thing. They're kind of doing their thing. I mean, they're just you know, and, and like the kids like treat them like they're like these psychopaths the entire movie, and it's just Tucker and Dale are just trying to fix up this vacation home that he he's building out in the middle of nowhere, and these kids keep dying around them for no particular reason. Okay, I think I'm back. Okay. Okay, we're back. I don't know what happened. The devil. <laughs> the devil. Sangui. Anyways. So you were talking about um, so, how Tucker and Dale are doing their things, just trying to fix this house, and then nothing. Yeah, they're they're fixing their house, and these kids keep dying around them, and it's but mostly because the kids are so frightened that Tucker and Dale are these serial killers that supposedly. Well, there, there's a little twist near the end, but anyways, they're so afraid that Tucker and Dale are these these uh, these killers that like uh, killed one of the main characters' moms, or uh, like you know, so many years ago, uh, that they they keep. Uh, having these accidents like literally out right outside, you know, Tucker and Dale's house. And, and there's even one funny line where, you know, one of them, I can't remember which character is like, why do these kids keep killing themselves? What the hell are they doing? It's a suicide pact. You know, it's, oh it's just kind of, what, <laughs> it's, it's just a really fun play on all those movies. And, and it's just fun to see Tyler Labine back in this movie. Cause he plays one of the funniest characters in this movie. Which is literally the uh, wedding photographer for uh, Gary and Samantha. Uh, the, it's, the movie starts out; they won't talk about what happened at the. Uh, you know, Gary kind of mentions like, "Do you want to talk about what happened at the wedding?" And she's like, "No, let's never mention that again." And like later, 
uh, Tyler Labine kind of playing the character that David Warren plays in the Omen. He's like, no, I got to show you this. You got to see this image. And it's basically like there's a tornado going on in the background. The priest is like speaking backwards, you know, kind of like in the exorcist. And he's like, dude, th- that's not normal. And, you know, of course, like, you know, Adam <laughs> Scott's playing it like, are you sure that's not normal? We thought it was just Latin. And he's like, and, um, it, it's, it's, it's got a fun, like it, it's a parody basically of the Omen. The whole movie is. And, uh, it's, it's kind of plays like Shaun of the Dead a little bit too, because there's a lot of little quick cuts that kind of reminds you of like Edgar Wright's editing, editing style and like Shaun of the Dead. I and, love that. Yeah. They, they play around with that a little bit. Uh, and it's also got that thing from Shaun of the Dead where the apocalypse is happening around everybody involved, but they're all ignoring it. Like Sean did, like there's, you know, the radio's talking about how there's these weird climate things that are happening and, you know, uh, and there's uh, all these people that are saying it's the end of times and just, you know, Adam Scott and, and, uh, you know, Evangeline Lilly are just kind of ignoring it and they're just trying to deal with the fact that as a stepdad, he's not really connected with poor little Lucas yet. When poor little Lucas, of course, is sitting in the corner uh, or actually sitting in a dark room watching a TV screen that's just got static on it and apparently talking to it. So that's not creepy <laughs> at all, you know. <laughs> but, um, it's it's got a neat little twist to it. It's got a lot of throwbacks to other movies that I think are kind of neat. There's like two. One of the, uh, the the funniest part of the movie is the fact that like Donald Faison, Taylor, uh, or and and a couple other like comedy actors, uh, including the the actress who plays Al. Uh, are all like part of this stepdad like you know group where they kind of like come together and kind of deal you know uh, try to it's a therapy session and oh it's God. and that's where it's like, that's a, where step, a, lot it's of like the, a dad club. Yeah, well, it's kind of like that, and and you know, and they they one of the guys keeps talking about shitting in his son in his stepson's backpack or something to get back at him, and it's got oh like a. You know, <laughs> Um, and then of course they all agree that Gary has the worst cause he's literally got the antichrist for a son and, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, but anyways, one of the main characters where I was going with the tie in part of it has these twin girls that look literally like they've been ripped out of the shining. Uh, there's, uh, the Tyler Labine's character, whenever he's talking about, he, he likes uh, cinema verite, I believe is how he says it all. Uh, pretentiously and he said one of his favorite directors is Cassavetes and I thought that was a cool kickback to uh, Rosemary's Baby you know because he was a director Uh, and that's a that's a very you know that's a that's kind of pool that's deep I mean you know because a lot of people wouldn't get that oh yeah Um, you gotta be like a deep movie buff (laughs) to understand that especially during this film if you're watching it yeah yeah you wouldn't expect that kind of thing in a movie like this so um, it's like I said, it's, it, it, the humor does connect. I mean, and so it, it's good on that. Not really much horror to it. I mean, I guess you could get creeped out by some of the stuff that Lucas does, but it's mostly played for comedy. Um, I'm going to give it a rating of kick-ass and that's both, it is a kick-ass movie in my opinion, but also the movie kick-ass because I mean, Nicolas Cage, uh, and, and the rest of the ensemble cast and that, I feel like did a pretty good job with a comedy movie and, yeah. and that's kind of what, I, that's kind of what I'm that's rating this That's a good from. one. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, a, and it's a really good double feature to throw on if you're going to watch The Omen because it literally is a parody, but it goes the other route because Gary uh, I mean, it, you know, I'm not going to spoil the ending, but Gary decides to go the other way. Instead of killing the kid, 
he, you know, he decides to save the kid or try to connect with him because he thinks that he can overcome the problems, and it provides like a good, like alternative view to what could have happened in in the Omen. Okay, okay, actually, that sounds hella good. <laughs> it's That's it's two pretty good. B movies in a row that you have convinced me that I need to watch, and I do not do B films. <laughs> I would say this is more of just like a little independent offshoot because it don't really feel like a B film. They, it's got a lot. Of, it's pretty slick for you know like their type of movies. Netflix well, yeah. is, is, is done pretty good with that. Their their movie The Babysitter and its sequel, uh, the baby you know part two, are both really cool little horror comedy films that they put on there, and I, I think they've done a really good job with those. Okay. But uh, are you ready for the news segment? I'm so ready for this new segment. <laughs> this is going to be a little bit more extended than usual because we got a couple of big topics this time. Uh, first up, I, we got to bring up this thing about Joss Whedon. Um, there is a lot of stuff that's came out about him in the last little bit, and I can't, I mean, my news feed, I, I don't know, just maybe I typed Buffy at some point in time in my news feed, but like Google just keeps feeding me this stuff about Joss Whedon and, and all the allegations that's come up against him. But he is apparently a really abusive boss. Um, it started out, uh, just to give a timeline of what all has happened with this, it started out with Ray Fisher, who played Cyborg in the in the uh, Justice League movie. Um, he came out and described the onset behavior of Joss Whedon as gross, abusive, unprofessional, and completely unacceptable. He wouldn't elaborate on that, but he just came out and said those statements about it. And he was really unhappy with it. He was glad that, you know, Scott Snyder was coming back to, you know, kind of, you know, finish or do his version of what the, the, the movie was supposed to be. Uh, and after this came out, Charisma Carpenter, who played Cordelia on the Buffy, the you know, TV series, mm-hmm. uh, came out in support of uh, Ray Fisher and offered up her own issues with the writer, director, producer. Uh, it's been rumored for years that he killed her character off an, an angel due to some petty anger he had over her pregnancy, and it turns out that that's true. Um, when he asked her early on, uh, he actually brought her into his office and asked her if she planned on keeping the baby, which hinted that he wanted it, you know, aborted. Uh, he regularly made fun of her religious beliefs on set after, you know, he found out she's pregnant because apparently she has like a rosary tattoo on her arm and he saw that one day and he just kept like, you know, anytime he could crack about it in front of the, the rest of the crew, he would. Uh, he called her fat repeatedly in front of other cast and crew members, especially when she started gaining weight. He would, you know, constantly comment <laughs> on that. I shouldn't laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, he accused her of sabotaging the show. And with her fatness, he called, <laughs> I, well, with her, yeah, her fatness, pregnancy, whatever you want to say. And he went so far as to call her to work at 1 a.m. when she was really, really pregnant, despite the fact that her OBGYN had told her that she'd reduce her work hours and get more rest because of the stage she was in in the pregnancy. Uh, hmm. That's pretty shitty to do. I mean, like, she oh, he yeah. was specifically waiting until like 1 a.m. It's like, yep, you've got called. Come over here and work. You've been sleeping long and, enough, Charisma. Yeah, you've been sleeping long. Come over. Uh, and after all this, he he made her character evil in the show. He put her character in a coma after that and then just wrote her off the show the next season and didn't even bring her back. So she went through all this hell basically just to be written off the show anyways. Um, that is pure evil. Just, I mean, he, he is a horror. Look, he's a horror writer, okay? <laughs> um, 
she states that, uh, and in addition to that, he was always mean and biting toward others on the set, and that was actually confirmed uh, by some comments made by other cast members. Uh, Amber Benson, in particular, who played Tara, uh, she tweeted that uh, Buffy was a toxic environment, and it starts at the top. Specifically, kind of directing her, you know, her tweet at Joss Whedon. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller, you know, this one's kind of important. Uh, she played Buffy, for anybody that didn't know. Uh, she wrote on Instagram that, While I am proud to have my name associated with Buffy Summers, I don't want to be forever associated with the name Joss Whedon. That's pretty, that's pretty big for her, because that was like, I mean, you know, that show was her, you know, her thing. Like, she was one oh, to yeah. headline that. And for her to say that, that's, that's big. Uh, the actress Michelle Trachtenberg, who played Dawn Summers, Buffy's sister, uh, actually had worse things to say, I mean, in a, in a roundabout way. Uh, she stated that there was actually a rule on set when she worked, because she was a teenager, you know, keep this in mind, when she was on set, she was an actual teenager. I want to say like 14 uh, was, or something. At best, she was 16 or 17. Yeah. I mean, it was, that's at best. Uh, she said there was actually a rule on set when she worked that uh, he, meaning Whedon, is not allowed in the room alone with Michelle again. And uh, added that his behavior with her as a teenager was not acceptable. She wouldn't elaborate on what she meant by that, but that's creepy as hell just to even think about. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, he was either nagging her so much that, you know, they said you can't treat a kid like this or he was doing inappropriate things. Either way, it was bad. I wonder who made the rule. That's that's interesting. Uh, it had to have been like somebody, you know, because I would think that he, you know, most film sets now. I don't. I think there was a problem that led to this, but they have like usually, you know, some kind of like person on the, you know, the staff or whatever to kind of make sure that the kids are getting, you know, there's the schooling they need and, and kind of making sure that they're getting treated appropriately and not being overworked and all that. And it had to be probably somebody in that camp, I would think, that would probably that probably looked in on this and you know oh, saw man. some inappropriate stuff. That is real interesting. James Marsters, who played Spike, uh, he stated on Michael Rosenbaum's "Inside of You," which we both agree is a, a ex great podcast. Oh yeah, uh, that uh, Whedon had an extreme outburst after seeing the popularity that his character Spike had. When Whedon or when Joss Whedon uh, meant for the character to be a short-term villain, uh, he he had this to say basically: um, I came along and I wasn't designed to be a romantic character, but then the audience reacted the, that way to it. And I remember he Whedon uh, backed me up against the wall one day, and he was just like, "I don't care how popular you are, kid. You're dead. You hear me? Dead, dead." Just like that. <laughs> just like that. <laughs> um. The only person who, as a contrast, who didn't have anything, uh, any experience like this, uh, appear, apparently was Eliza Dushku, who played Faith. She would actually went on to work with him again on the, the show Dollhouse, so maybe that's the reason she didn't have any experiences previously and didn't have any problems, and that's why she agreed to it. Uh, she did offer her condolences and kind of support to the other people, but she never really had anything to say about him otherwise. But I just thought it was interesting that even James Marsters, you know, got treated like yeah. that. He said he, he laughed it off, but he said that it was just kind of, I mean, he really legit like just slammed him up against the wall and, you know, and told him that, or at least backed him up and told him that. Well, I mean, you know, what I have to say about it is that, I mean, you have these kind of issues with all kinds of writers, directors, anything it this is nothing new uh kind of creepy about michelle being as yeah. young as she was 
I had to laugh at Charisma because she was upset, like, about her tattoo, her rosary tattoo. And it's like, that is uh, that is something to laugh about because if you have a rosary tattoo, I'm guessing she's Catholic. I don't know. You're either, one, mocking the Catholic religion, or two, you are celebrating the Catholic religion in your own way, but you know, we know we are not supposed to have those kind of tattoos on our body. And people get them all the time. So for him to joke about it, you kind of have to be lighthearted about that because you should know that you're technically in the wrong. Yeah, I kind of thought about are that. you religious. I, I kind of thought about that one too because, you know, it depends on how religious you are. You know, some people outright say tattoos are against certain parts of, I, I think it's like Leviticus or something like that. But uh, I just thought that it was kind of, you know, an odd. I was like, okay, you're you're that religious that you wanted the rosary, you know, that close to you, but, you know, it's a tattoo. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. It just kind of depends like you said, on how you view those things, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people would technically mock that. Maybe not to her face. I don't know. He just had the balls to do it. Uh, <laughs> making her feel fat while she's pregnant. <laughs> I don't know why that keeps making me laugh. I mean, who doesn't fucking feel fat while they're pregnant? I guess having someone tell you. Or maybe she's just assuming everybody thought she was fat because she was probably fat. I'm sh- <laughs> I'm sure she was like hyper conscious about it because she, you know, was in a career field where you had to be like the perfect body size and yeah. you know, him ad- adding to it probably made it worse. I, he comes and off some of us cannot like hide it on asshole. our face. I mean, you can put as many big bags and props in front of your stomach as you want to. <laughs> like I said, some of us ladies cannot hide it on our face. I was one of those ladies. I can't hide anything in my face. So, yes, I would be super self-conscious about it. Um, I don't know how direct he was, but how he treated um, James's character sounds like he was pretty fucking direct. I'm wondering, on the contrary, that with Eliza's character... Maybe this was towards the end of Buffy. Maybe we were changing to different times a little bit and he was seeing it. So he kind of changed his ways or maybe he was getting older and toning down a bit. I, I wonder that uh, I'm, that's just something that's on the back of my mind. I don't think that's the case. Cause if I remember my timeline, he took charisma carpenter out of the show around the fourth season of angel. It only lasted five seasons total and Buffy went to nine seasons, and, and and Faith was on there, I think, around season four or five or oh, something okay. like that. So she was on there way before that stuff happened with Charisma. And I didn't put it in here, but there was actually a stunt team, a husband and wife, and I can't remember who they were stunt players for. One of them, I think, might have been for... Uh, I'm thinking it's like Anya's character. But anyways, anyways, they were husband and wife team, one of them quit to go to another job because they were just so tired of, of dealing with Whedon's, you know, egomania, basically. And yeah. the other one uh, was given shit constantly by Whedon because the, the husband left. And so she just, uh, I think it was the, fe- the, the the lady in the relationship, I think she ended up, uh, you know, leaving too because she just got tired of, you know, him treating her like an asshole just because her husband left to go do something else. Yeah. Ugh. Man. So, well. I mean... It, it kind of just sounds to me like he's just an asshole in general. Now, my biggest thing with all of this is is that if you read the articles about it, they spin out of this. They don't focus on it, him being just being an asshole of a person. They're they're now going back and they're trying to retroactively like you know look at the shows and say, okay, 
what we thought was a feminist icon in Buffy is now just like this tawdry, like half-dressed teenage girl who's like showing her, you know, like body all the oh, God, time and we these weird poses. And, you know, he's not really a feminist. So that was his way of like, you know, and then they're throwing out like, cause he, he basically did like some kind of write up for, um, Wonder Woman before I think Patty Jenkins got it and made the movie she did. And mm-hmm. he, and his writing in it was pretty, I want. It was kind of. I don't know. You say misogynistic, but it was kind of the, that creepy guy thing where he was always talking about how her body flowed like the river, and you know there was, and it was the most beautiful thing ever. And it was, he was way too elaborate, you know, elaborative about you know <laughs> about all her like you know physical features, and at least in the screenplay. And so there, there might be a hint of truth, at least that to some degree, but I think that takes away from Buffy the show because it presented a strong female character at a time when that wasn't as common. And I think that's kind of going back and rewriting history to say, oh, he just did this because he liked seeing, he had this fetish for like these hot teenage girls that like kicked ass or something. He might've had I it. Mean, that's not, have but you I seen mean, the movie. Do you remember the actress? Oh, Swan- Christy Swanson, I think was her name. Yeah, I remember she that She was in like a tiny, you know, tank top and splattered in blood. And it, it, I mean, and she was by, she looked like a supermodel. She did not look like a teenager. Boobs yeah, hanging out and-, and everything. So like, no, I think that, <laughs> I think that, um, why can't I think of her, the main character, uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I think her version, yeah. although still had a tiny bit of younger sex appeal, she still, it was way more toned down than the movie. Yeah, I mean, they, and I feel like they covered her up a lot better than the movie version did. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want, it's like I said, I think that's all just revisionist stuff. And I think it's getting away from the point that apparently just Whedon's a toxic person. And I, if you want to focus on, him being, you know, now I'll give him credit for this. He is one of those assholes that goes around promoting how big of a feminist he is. So he's inviting this critique on him <laughs> on his own self. I mean, you don't go out there and say, well, look how, you know, I'm such a feminist. And, and, and then, you know, I mean, so, cause you know, if you throw that out there, any little thing that comes back on you is just going to make you look that much more like a hypocrite. So that's exactly. kind of on him. Hmm. And 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 they're also throwing in the stuff about hey he cheated on his wife like all the time when they were married oh, together God. and and I'm just like how does that have anything to do with his onset I mean it might be tang- tangentially related that he's you know just kind of a horrible person but I think the bigger issue is he's just a shitty person to work for and it's kind of it's kind of crazy to think that because I mean he there for a while he was like the golden child when it came to like a lot I mean especially when the Avengers came out like it was like oh man Whedon's really stepped up the game on this like he's made like the perfect comic book movie and it's just I, I mean don't it's kind of are we about, are we supposed to cancel him now <laughs> is this is that where it's headed I think that's what they're hinting at basically anybody who I mean and if him as a person I don't know I mean he. It, I, I believe anybody has a chance to change. It seems like he's got a pattern of this, so it's going to take a lot. But, I, you know, I don't know. It, I'm kind of torn on this. I mean, I, I would hate to be somebody on his set and him, like, just act like this complete egomaniac asshole. But at the same time, I mean, he does have some artistry to what he does. So, I, it, it, you know, I loved Cabin in the Woods. I thought it was a great little horror comedy movie that he did. Yeah. I say let people decide at their own discretion if they want to continue watching the things that he makes. I mean, if you don't like it, don't watch it. If you don't like him, don't support him, I guess. I don't know. 
Yeah, I mean, and and that's pretty much with anybody. I don't think that anybody should just automatically, well, let's completely kick them out of their chosen profession or, you know, kick them out of the hobby or whatever, you know, or out of their, you know, this their livelihood. Just because that, just like, I mean, people should just vote with their, you know, with their wallet. I mean, just don't go watch the films that he's in. Now, it's kind of a weird situation, too, because you're also not supporting the poor actors and actresses that had to put up with his bullshit while they were trying to film the movie. So you got to kind of factor that in. But I mean, that's kind of where, you know, we're at with all of it. Yeah, I mean, I'd say give him an opportunity to change. I mean, it doesn't sound like he had any actual, legit, like, touching or doing perverted things. Maybe he said a few inappropriate things. So, I don't know. Give the man a chance to see if he's changed or not. I I, I think that's a fair assess, assessment of that. Um, I don't know what we're going to say about this next one, though. <laughs> uh, next up in the news, Army Hammer, actor, fetishist, cannibal? <laughs> uh, Instagram account uh, at House of Effie uh, posted unverified screenshots of text messages supposedly from uh, Army Hammer uh, that he sent women between uh, the years of 2016 and 2020. The uh, messages refer to fantasies that the actor had uh, involving domination, blood drinking, and cannibalism. Um Ad House of Effie tried to prove the legitimacy of those posts by releasing previously unseen photos of Hammer, but that has since been deleted. Dang it. Um, <laughs> uh, backing some of this up, uh, of course, this is you got to remember where this is coming from, so take it with a grain of salt, but Elizabeth, Elizabeth Chambers, who is Hammer's recently divorced ex-wife, keep that in mind, she uh they they separated because she was previously sent or she he she was mistakenly sent some raunchy text messages that was meant for somebody else you know from uh, army so he sent her messages that were you know of a you know sexual nature basically that were meant for somebody else and she cites that incident and his decision to flee the uh, quote unquote flee the family during a global pandemic as the reasons that led up to their divorce having said all that she's came out and said, you know, about how, you know, chilled she is by these allegations and how she stands in support of these other women. So, I mean, she sounds like she's had her own issues with the actor, but I think she's kind of piling on just a tad bit because, you know, I mean, she obviously she's the jilted wife and or ex-wife, and she has a reason to kind of hate his guts at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Now, this one's a little bit more interesting. Uh, another ex, uh, Courtney Buskovich, Buskovich, has stated that Hammer once told her that he once wanted to break my rib and barbecue and eat it. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that is extremely weird fetish, but okay. Another uh, ex, Paige Lawrence, uh, shared messages uh, she claims were from Hammer, in which she asked, uh, in which he asked her to be his perfect little slave. And, and she also went on to say that he used a knife to carve an A, I guess for Army, next to her vagina. Picks or it now, didn't happen. She, <laughs> well, she could claim this, and, and she, apparently she shared the picture or the text messages, so, you know, whatever on that. Uh, the whole thing about the knife, that's a whole other thing, but she, she allowed that to happen. I mean, there is such thing as, I mean, if you don't want to go, if you don't consent... You know, kick his ass out. I mean, that's yeah. I, you know, I if, now she's trying to go back and claim that she felt too threatened or whatever. 
that is what it is, but I, I, it didn't sound like that from the description of it. It was kind of like, well, I kind of let it happen because I kind of felt like I needed to, and I it didn't really like agree with it. It sounds like they were together it. for a while, too, from what I was reading. And she said he has a way of, like, you know, making you feel comfortable and making you, you know, feel like you have to do what he says. I mean, he's fucking good looking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Girlfriend, it's, it's, I feel you. <laughs> Yeah, it's like that meme that they have of where the this good-looking, it's a cartoon, this good-looking boss character walks up and he's basically saying these awful things to his, you know, sec- to this lady that's working in a cubicle. He's like, uh, how about I just come fuck you tonight or something like that. And then she's like, oh, okay. And she's like, like all, you know, and then like this other guy walks up and he's this fat guy with glasses and he's like, you're the most beautiful lady ever. And she's like, oh, get away from me. Sexual harassment. You know, it's one of those type situations where um, on basically- Hot Mess Express, we like to refer that to as a selective sledism. <laughs> and that's coming from three I, ladies. It's, I mean, I don't know. Of course, Hammers came out against all this and, claim, and claims it's all bullshit and he's refused to address any of the things, which, I mean, I don't know what else he would do if they are true. I mean, you know, it's not going to, I mean, there's nothing he can do to, you know, walk back anything he said. I mean, it sounds like the guy's got some weird fetishes. Uh, as long as he's not acted on the cannibalism part of it, you know, I guess <laughs> I, that's a good thing, obviously. I don't know. I mean, you know, like one of them, one of these ladies came out and said that they, because they were being claims of uh, kink shaming. It might have been Paige Lorenz. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was like specifically like, I'm not kink shaming. This was terrible behavior and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, it kind of is kink shaming to a certain degree. I mean, because all these articles focused on his like sexual domination tendencies. Like, you know, hey, he wanted like a little sex slave and all this. And, yeah, and, and there are just, people that are legitimately into that. People who are the ones, you know, doing the dominating and the people who are being dominated. They There are people who love that. So you're putting this out there and you're kind of putting bad publicity on these people, literally. Yeah, yeah you know, you're, you're marginalizing them, you know, kink shaming. And yeah, I and, mean, I, and I'm not saying to come out, not come out with abuse. If you are being abused or you feel like you were in an abused relationship, that's fine. Maybe put it out there that this person is an abuser and you don't have to elaborate into their sexual fantasies. I don't know. I don't know how, I don't know the right way because I feel like I can't speak on this because this is never something I felt like I was ever, you know, ever had happened to me in a negative way. So it's, it's tough. You can't speak on anything unless you had personal experience, apparently. Well, it's one of those situations, given the the nature of what they're talking about, it's all about context. I mean, you know, Paige Lorenz can sit there and say all this stuff now after the fact and kind of pile on. But I mean, who's to say that she was at the least a little bit intrigued in the in the moment? Now, maybe it went a little too far, and that's you know, if you you know, that community's all about safe words and respecting boundaries and all that stuff. I mean, you know, so I mean, you you don't know what went on now. If he you know pushed those boundaries and and took it farther than she was willing, that's a whole separate issue. But, I mean, you you don't get that from the, the conversation that's being had. It's all just kind of like, well, you know, he's a bad guy because he wants to be, you know, a sexual dominant or whatever. And, and, and they're not even focusing on the cannibalism. That's what surprises me. I'm yeah. just like, <laughs> what? He's talking about I drinking have, blood. <laughs> I do have a little bit of news about that, about the cannibalism. A little a little side thing that I, I can't verify, so. <laughs> okay, what, what's that? hear it? 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. The Hubs tells me he was listening to a video cast. I don't know what vlog. I don't know if that's for sure what it's called. But he was listening to these guys talk. And allegedly around the time of these allegations of him doing all this weird stuff and sending alleged cannibalistic text, he was visiting a friend's home that was being majorly rebuilt. We're talking from the ground up. It was skeleton, a skeleton home being redone, and allegedly I'd heard. Now, I have to Google because I didn't research this any further, but allegedly they had found some skeletons or some bones at this location, and that was making Army Hammer look bad. Now, this was maybe two weeks ago that I had heard this from my husband, and I have seen nothing in the news pop up. I've seen everything else pop up on Army Hammer, so I really don't think it's true. And like I said, I, I shame on me for not researching it a little bit further, but it sounded creepy. <laughs> yeah. It just sounds like some creepy gossip. But another thing is I haven't read all of the text, but I want to see like, okay, Paige, girl to girl here. Did he say he wanted to break you off, barbecue you some ribs, and then eat you? Because that is completely <laughs> different than what you're claiming he wanted to do to you. Well, I think, it, yeah, I think it was Courtney that said that he wanted to eat her ribs, but it was oh, just okay. like, yeah. Well, yeah. Courtney, you hear me? He wanted to break you off, cook you some ribs, and then eat you. Do it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm playing. I'm playing. But I'm terrible. I just think, I just think it's funny that they're they're focusing so much on like the the domination angle because it, it took me a second. I had to Google it here while you were talking about the Fifty Shades of Grey movies. We just got through. It was like one of the biggest trilogies, like money grossing trilogies. I mean, you know, and all these women went to go see these films, and that's exactly what it's about. It's about this dominant, you know, like rich, good looking guy, you know, that 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 has these same fetishes and it's like, uh, that was fine, you know, just a few years ago, but now, you know, this comes up and that's what they're harping on. That, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Well, I feel um, honestly like a lot of women would be torn because some women are thinking, holy shit, he wants to do what to me? Okay. And some other women are like, holy shit, he does that? You know, <laughs> the community I, of women I, have been divided. I'm telling you. Well, it's funny you say that because I was getting ready to quote Community. I, I, can't, I have to paraphrase it because I don't remember exactly, but there's a, a the Halloween one of the Halloween episodes they had. They were all like there was like a a situation where they were telling like stories because Britta had she was a you know a, a, going into psychology or something, and one of her things was she had to give them each like this uh, psychology uh, uh, personality test, and one of the people in the group tested as being like a, a basically a psycho killer, a psychopath, and so she was having them all tell horror stories on Halloween to try to get who who's the most, you know, psychotic. And uh, one of them was uh, Annie's character. Uh, was uh, She did one where she was basically like this little Red Riding Hood type situation. And Jeff is this uh, vampire that's like feeding on her. And there, there's like this back and forth about how he, I think he even mentioned, he's like, don't women like the uh, monstrous guy that they think they can tame and turn into the perfect boyfriend? <laughs> and it's, it's just like the, you know, it was the perfect summation of all that stuff. It's like, yeah, most of those things are like that. It's like, you and, you know, take Twilight and a lot of those other things. They want the little bit of the monster, but they want the good monster. You know, it's like, it's the, it's the weirdest, you know, yeah, situation. It's true. It's not a lie. <laughs> Well, uh, speaking of monsters, uh, next up in the news, uh, Rob Zombie has allegedly been tapped to direct the Monsters movie. Um, oh, according, to, <laughs> according to according uh, to 
I guess this is a blog site or a movie site, Murphy's Multiverse. Uh, Universal has hired Zombie to write and direct the film, and, and production is set to start in May in Budapest. Uh, per the usual for Rob's films, his wife will play a part, in particular the, the one of the lead roles of Lily Munster, and he's got a few more people that are some of his regulars uh, tapped to play some of the characters in the movie. But, of course, Sherry Moon Zombie is, yet again, one of his lead stars in the film. Well, of course. I mean, I wonder <laughs> if this is going to be family-friendly. I mean, it's Robert Zombie we're talking about. He does not make family, family-friendly family films. Uh, my 13-year-old is still waiting and waiting for the day she is allowed to watch a Rob Zombie film. And I still have not allowed it yet. <laughs> Uh, took her to see him in person, but will not allow her to watch the film. So, you know, two I, different things, though. I can't imagine one of the films that I would even recommend because definitely not Lords of Salem. I, it's probably one of my favorite films that he's done, but that's way out there. I mean, I wouldn't yeah. even, you'd have to be, uh, I don't even know if I'd let an 18-year-old watch that, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Sexual content of, is my hard no. Everything else, totally fine. And, and that's the problem, because he always has it, because he's always got Sherry Moon Zombie in the movie, and she always does something extremely sexual. Whether or not that's their thing as a couple, but it always Don't happens. Don't keep shame. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's their thing. I'm just saying it, it always yeah. happens in the films. Um, and I, I'm just wondering, you know, given his track record, uh, who's going to be, uh, if the monsters are all going to be a bunch of hillbillies, because he, he goes oh. that, the, the Texas hillbilly route in all of his yeah. movies. Yeah. I like he's making fun of your people. I know you're not from Texas, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. He, he kind of, well, he's kind of trying to do that, but at the same time, he's got like, it's almost like he's got this odd reverence for it. It's, it, he has to, you know, he, his favorite characters are like the Otis character, which is like one of the most extreme hillbilly evangelical, you know, Charles Manson weirdos you can get. And like he, you know, that's like his character that he does the best writing for. So I don't know. It's, he, he's got this weird love hate relationship with the, well, the hillbilly people. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited to see what he turns it into. Yeah, I, I want to see what it is. I, I hope it's like a return to form for him because I feel like, you know, some of his last movies, what is it, 31 and uh, uh, the Three from Hell. I mean, I've not watched either one of them just because the reviews have been so terrible. I'm like, I don't want to, you know, risk, you know, even spent wasting my time on them. And they just, I mean, and this is even from hardcore, like zombie fans are just like, yeah, just watch The Devil's Rejects. Watch, you know, the House of a Thousand Corpses. Don't go and watch, you know, and it's sad because I mean he's he's got a style and I and I and I like his style. It's just I, uh, he they apparently he's just kind of you know dropped a little bit in the quality on these last films. Yeah, he was advertising Three from Hell real big at his last concert that we were at. So yeah, and and the biggest thing about it is it's just like the last little bit with Sid Haig, which is sad that he passed away. I mean, he was a great guy. I met you know I I met him at a convention and just a uh, and and you know, just a great guy in general, but I mean, it, it, and apparently he's not even in the film much because he got sick during the early filming of it and they had to yeah. kind of write his character out and put somebody else in place. Man, that's sad. Yeah. Uh, well, we'll just move on from that. Uh, according in this last bit of news for this episode, according to deadline, Jazz Sinclair, uh, who played Roz from the chilling adventures of Sabrina has been cast in a lead role in the upcoming Amazon spinoff for the boys. I'm worried. Uh, <laughs> I, I got to admit, I am too. Uh, it says the story will involve a college for soups in training, which is interesting in its own concept. I mean, given the boys' universe, it's going to be interesting to see a college, you know, setting for the kind of 
you know, morally bankrupt people that we see in the boys. <laughs> but it, but but it could be the opposite way. They could be like Starlight, I guess, and they could be kind of like you know, there's a little bit of hope, you know, still left in them before you know the corporations get to them and and you know basically make them soulless. So maybe there's some you know a different spin they're going with it. And um, she's it, just the one to get everybody going on that path. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that's not what they do. They did say she's going to be like one of the main leads or whatever. I hope they don't. I hope that's not what it is. I hope they actually take her uh, like a dark turn, like just kind of see what her range is as an actress. That would um, be amazing. That I could follow. I cannot yeah. look at her and see Roz from, from Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. That will fuck it up, and it's the boys that we're talking about. <laughs> And they've shared some pictures of her, and she's lost a lot of weight. I mean, if if the pictures they're showing, at least tied to this story, I mean, like it looks like she's really, you know, uh, getting in shape for the part. So I mean, it's it's yeah, going to be. Yeah, she an lost inter- a lot of weight in, in *Chilling Adventures of Sabrina* too. Like you could tell towards the end, she was she was dropping weight, and she didn't even yeah. necessarily need to. Her character in *Sabrina*, she was perfect the way she was. She was fine. Um, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you know, we all have you ever seen what was it uh knocked up when her character was pregnant and the <laughs> I think it was MTV or E News that was telling her you need to tighten after she has the baby, basically telling her you better lose this baby weight. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Hollywood loves their skinnies, let's let's be honest. Yeah, actually they uh, that's a whole other argument, but they they actually make make a lot of these uh, poor actresses go anorexic and it's just awful yeah. to see. Well, the camera adds 50 pounds. I know this. I see all my photos and it's obvious <laughs> that it's at least 50 pounds. And and I, I can't say this for sure, but like, I almost feel like, you know, I mean, I've always held the example up of this is like Cam- uh, Cameron Diaz because she looked perfect in the mask when she debuted. And like, it was like every movie after that, she looked like very underweight, very like uh, too skinny actually for her own body height and size. And if that's due to some kind of condition, kind of like Jared Palecki has where she, you know, just can't, you know, hold mass or whatever, then, you know, I, I, I apologize for making the comment. It's just, but I kind of feel like it's probably more of Hollywood just saying girl you're just too fat you know and like her like the perfect weight and everything i know and, what you mean she you was know. like perfectly filled out like yeah, she was still and, thin too it's not like she was thick she was just exactly. proportionate for her height and then it goes around to that and it just i mean it uh, i don't know it was just sad to see and it, she's not the only actress that does that it's just she's the one that stands out in my mind because it was more egregious to kind of see later on mm, um, angelina jolie is another one yeah, yeah, that's true. That is very true. Yeah, I didn't think about that. If you enjoyed this episode of the Omen News and Updates segment, please stay tuned for our next episode where we review the Omen. Death Holler is brought to you by Blue Collar BS with your hosts, Reverend Dr. Death and La Yarina. Please like, subscribe, follow, and share. We'll catch you next time. And don't forget to bring your death certificate.